You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Here's a list of players in Major League history with 10 or more gold gloves, a batting title, and an MVP award. You ready? Roberto Clemente, Ichiro, Willie Mays, and Keith Hernandez. So I guess the least the Mets could do for their guy was retire his number, right? It is happening. And a quote from Keith from his recently published book, here it is, top of page 182, quote, I used to get pimples on my ass. All right, as an author, he's no James Thurber. As Elaine Bennis once asked on a popular TV show, who does this guy think he is? Well, he's Keith Hernandez. Doesn't always say or do the right thing, but he lays it on the line. He will give you the unvarnished truth Every time, even about his own butt. We will hear from the popular author, cat owner, ointment requirer, and Mets Hall of Famer. Next. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing now. Here's Josh Lewin. Scootily down. The great Keith Hernandez will become the fourth player and the sixth individual to have his number retired by the Mets. He joins Tom Seaver, Mike Piazza, Jerry Kuzman as players, Gil Hodges and Casey Stengel as managers. Of course, number 42 is retired across baseball for Jackie Robinson. Is number 17 now being retired overdue? Yup. But better late than never, and what a delivery from new ownership. You got your black jerseys back. You got a statue for Tom Seaver. Old Timers Day will be making a comeback. You bring in multiple free agents who have been big league all-stars, too. That will win you favor with the fan base. Josh Lewin with you. We're going to hear from Keith Hernandez a couple different times. First, as he met the media, then we get him all to ourselves for a good 11 minutes or so. If all you know of Keith Hernandez is that he's a hell of a TV broadcaster who sighs a lot and coined the phrase fundies, let's roll it back and remind you he could very easily be in Cooperstown for what he accomplished on the field of play. Led the National League in fielding percentage in 85 and 86 with the Mets. He won 11 gold gloves in the Rawlings Gold Glove Hall of Fame. Five-time All-Star. He's fourth in Mets history and on base percentage, 10th in runs batted in. Back in 87, his teammates selected him the first ever captain in Mets history. You probably know the backstory. He was acquired by the Mets June 15, 1983 from St. Louis for Neil Allen and Rick Ownby. Famously on Seinfeld, Newman barges in one time and says, June 14, 1987. But for Mets fans, the date to treasure is actually June 15, 1983. And now some, what, 38 and a half years later, into the ring of honor, so to speak. Here was Keith talking about his emotions a few days ago. I was com- caught completely off guard uh, yesterday. I got a phone call from team owner Steve Cohen, and um, he's in my address book, and his I told Sandy earlier, his name popped up on my screen. I'm going, oh, okay, maybe he wants to talk about the team. So we had around a 10-minute conversation about the events that have happened, I think positive events in the off season uh, for the Mets. And uh, then he said, uh, well, this is not the reason why I'm calling. And then he dropped the bomb on me. So it caught me completely by surprise. I had no idea. And um, it's uh, just kind of soaking in and sinking in now today. Um, 
uh, the import of this, uh, it is really, if you think of it, and I'm so honored, is that this is the highest uh, honor that an organization can give to a player. And, uh, you know, I grew up as a kid, like everybody else, going to baseball games and going to those some of those parks with the names up on the wall. And I'm um, at the names, the, uh, the numbers are retired. And for me, just a little old blue collar kid growing up in Northern California on a beach town called uh, Pacifica, 17 miles south of Candlestick Park, a dream to be a ball player. And then to have a attain that and all the success fortunately that I had through through in major league baseball I had a lot to do with my former teammates uh as well uh but this is uh, uh unbelievable uh I am just ecstatic and so proud and so thankful so no more number 17 in circulation for the Mets other 17s were worn after Keith retired notably some unnotables like Luis Lopez and Daesung Koo that bothered a lot of Met fans. It was asked, Keith, did it bother him? Uh, well, actually, I'll, I'll talk about when David Cohn wore my number the year after I left <laughs> in my honor, which was very uh, flattering. You know, David and I are, were such great friends from the get-go, good teammates. And that meant a lot to me. As, a, as, as uh, the other part of the question, seeing the other players with my number and you know, the equipment manager that was Charlie Samuels. I've almost went to Charlie and said, what the heck, what the heck are you doing, Charlie? <laughs> it's like a J.C. Penney's uh, uh, sale here. <laughs> so, but um, it didn't uh, detract from any of the significance. Um, it was actually, of all the numbers I wore, I wore 37, of course, in, in St. Louis uh, because I couldn't wear 17 because it was Dizzy Dean was retired. And then when I came over to the Mets, um, I was really kind of looking for another number with a seven. And they said, well, you can't wear number 37 because of Casey. And I said, that's fine. What number do you have available for me? And he said, well, we have 17. And I go, perfect. I always liked odd numbers. Um, and I like numbers in the teens. And I have always had to have a seven on my back. Uh, not seven by itself because of my childhood idol, uh, Mickey Mantle. Now, by the way, the first Met to have worn 17 was a legend. First one was Don Zimmer. The last Met to wear it was the father of a budding legend, Fernando Tati Sr., who wore it in 2010. As mentioned, 37 is what Keith had worn in St. Louis. But yeah, that had been Casey Stengel's number in New York. To this day, 37 in baseball is retired only by the Mets. Just the luck of one Keith Hernandez. So in general, what does having your number retired really mean? Keith was asked about the Mets finally getting with the program in that regard. I think it's been publicly uh, spoken by uh, Steve Cohen, the, our, our new owner, our, uh, uh, that he wants to create this tradition. I mean, the Mets, everybody well, from my age, you think of the Mets. I remember when they came through in 62 when they first joined the National League. I was, uh, let me see, I would have been eight years old my first year in Little League. Um, and, you know, okay, fine. No one really, really cared about the Mets or the Houston Astros, uh, whether the Colt 45s then. Uh, but they're 60 years old now. This is the 60th year in baseball, and that is, um, that is significant. And um, there is history, and there should be tradition. Uh, and uh, I think uh, that this is all... Uh, you know, maybe this is all coming together 
you've got the 60th anniversary. You've got the unveiling of the Seaver statue. Uh, I'm going in. Uh, my number is getting retired. That This is kind of a snowball effect. We recently had Mike Piazza's number retired. Um, so I think it's very important uh, that the fans have a sense of the history of their team. And, uh, you know, it's generational. You know, my dad took me to my first game. It goes on and on. Uh, and uh, you are influenced by your parents. And there's you are uh, my father was a Cardinal fan. So I grew up a Cardinal fan. And um, it's uh, that kind of influence and that kind of camaraderie, that kind of uh, bringing the family together with sports and particularly baseball because it's a summer sport. And you can sit in the ballpark and on a nice day, not on a wintry day, and and, and uh, in a t-shirt or whatever, and have conversation with your mom and dad and your brothers, sisters, your cousins. I think that's what's unique about baseball. Well, it's funny when you think about it. Keith only played seven years as a Met, only hit 80 home runs as a Met. That is 24th on the team's all-time home run list. But 22 of the 23 Mets higher on that list do not have their number retired. And no one was a leader of men like Keith proved to be in the mid-1980s. Fewer had a knack for the clutch RBI. Keith, by the way, did not finish his career as a Met. He wound up playing half of 1990 as a Cleveland Indian and hating every minute of it. Unceremoniously, at age 36, he had only 145 at-bats for John McNamara on a 77-win team. The other aging first baseman they used on that team, by the way, was Ken Phelps who Frank Costanza famously pointed out on Seinfeld, never should have been in that Jay Buhner trade. Same season of Seinfeld that featured the arc of, yes, Keith Hernandez, who I'm not driving to the airport. And by the way, as rotten as those 1990 Indians were, Keith's initial arrival in New York wasn't exactly all bubblegum and rainbows either. Here's Keith on that. Well, you know, the Mets went through hard times after the Seaver trade in, was it 77? Yeah. Okay, and we all know that 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, 83 were dark years. And um, we and the Cardinals, and out with the Cardinals, we were on the up, and the Mets were on the downside. And then they became a last-place team. So coming over uh, in 83 was a very unsettling year for me because you get traded in the middle of the season. Uh, I remember Dave Kingman meeting me in the clubhouse. Dave Kingman, who was so deadpan, never any emotion, just straight face. I never saw him smile. <laughs> he had a big smile on his face to greet me and shake my hand and said, thank gosh you're here because you're my ticket out of here. That was the first <laughs> words I heard. So I'm going, Seaver comes up to me and says, Welcome to the stems. And I go, stems? He goes, Mets spelled backwards. I went, where, where am I? I can't. I left a team in first place, was a defending world champion. And I'm going, oh, my gosh. I get on the bus to go after the, after the ball game, to go back to the hotel. There's no one on the bus. I go into the hotel bar after the game. There's no one in the hotel bar. I went, oh, boy. And so I had three months to kind of soak it all in. And I really didn't play that well. Um, uh, but that second half, I wasn't satisfied with that. And then when I made the decision to stay, which was basically my dad, um, 
I was really thinking about getting back to the West Coast, maybe L.A. or, or San Diego. And I had read where uh, Jack McKeon was interested in me and Lasorda was. And then my father, I talked to my father, and uh, I know this story has been around, but he, during the strike year 81, when there was a big, long strike in the split season, I think ESPN was showing games on TV in the minor leagues. And I had my dad, I bought him a satellite, and he saw some of the minor league games uh, on the satellite, and he said, you know, there's this kid, Doc Gooden and, and Daryl Strawberry that I, that I, you know, I think that they're, you might want to stay. I think they're on an upswing. And, and I made so many decisions in my life that got me in trouble that, uh, you know, I said, you know, my dad's usually been right. And I really was influenced by him. That's why I stayed. And that's the truth. Uh, things turn nicely, of course, for both Keith and the Mets. Although coming up, poor Keith is up against it health-wise. February 2nd, he is set for hip surgery, he tells us. Our best wishes to him. Hope he stays off his hot tub from now on, doesn't slice his feet. Hope he enjoys every bit of this number retirement ceremony that will happen pregame Saturday, July 9, against Miami. Now then, not to be a dork, or better stated, not to be any more of a dork than usual. How long do we have to wait now to see the number five retired? And not just for David Wright. I say it should be a combo platter, David and Davey. Davey Johnson wore that number as well under the blue satin starter jacket back in 1986. Davey's a guy that has a borderline Cooperstown set of credentials, having played and managed so well in his career. Now, the same can be said for Keith here. Keith fell off the Hall of Fame ballot in 04. He had peaked at just 11% of the vote, but he could still get in by way of that Eras Committee, formerly the Veterans Committee, granted Gil Hodges a spot recently, of course, And you look at Keith's credentials. He's one of 13 position players ever to win a gold glove 10 or more times. He's the only first baseman to reach double digits there. Picked up all of his hardware in order. Nationally gold glove every year, 78 through 88. Don Mattingly, the next closest to Keith with nine gold gloves over there. And while Mattingly also failed to get in the hole the traditional way, you look at Keith versus Don Mattingly, more career hits, more walks, higher wins above replacement, beat him in on-base percentage too. You look at the war calculations, Keith was a better overall player than Tony Perez, Orlando Cepeda, George Sisler, that trio of first basemen, all in the hall. And Keith, in his 17-year career, also put up a better war than Todd Helton, who's trending upward himself, might get there the traditional way. Keith Hernandez walked more than he struck out, something that modern thinking may start giving more credence to. He had that big peak. Everybody looks at, what'd you do in your peak amount of time and well during his peak he had a better career walk rate than Albert Pujols and Willie Stargell a higher on base percentage than Harmon Killebrew and Willie McCovey I know he didn't hit for a lot of power never hit more than 18 homers in a season he slugged 436 for his career but he can make up for that by arguably being the best fielder ever at first base and having Kramer and Newman having helped him move that one time Oh, should we do our own little one-on-one with Keith now? Why not? Let's go. Nice Zoom call, pretty boy. Uh, uh-huh. My question, Keith, is how surreal was this day? You have answered by my count questions from 17 different reporters now. It's a perfect number for this occasion. Are you all talked out, or is it okay to have this Keith Hernandez, this is your life, unspooling in real time? It's fine. I'll uh, I'll take it as long. Uh, it, it's a great honor, uh, Josh. And um, 
uh, I never dreamed that uh, that this would happen. Uh, very shocked and uh, very honored, and uh, can't get enough of it. I can't wait till July 9th. Well, yeah, Saturday, July 9 is the date. And back in 83, July 9 was also a Saturday, also a home game. You homered against Joe Necro for the only Mets runs of that game. So I want to ask you, with enough prodding, do you think you could recall all 80 of your Mets home runs? I mean, do big events like home runs stick to a man's memory, even after all these years later? Uh, No, I can't. I'll remember a handful of them uh, for various reasons, big hits, uh, uh, or how I hit a home run on a pitch. I don't know how the hell I hit. (laughs) Um, you remember those, um, but I can't remember all of them. I remember the one off to Colby that won the game in the stretch run and extra innings and 11 innings at Shea. I remember that distinctly because to Colby was a right-hand submariner, as you know, great stopper. And he was getting older and he, I guess he felt that he was losing a little bit of a bite of his sinker to the left-handers. And I noticed him we had a lot of left-handers in our lineup. I noticed him the day before or whatever that he was leading off left-handers with this fastball in, a sinker in, starting it at the hip and breaking it out over the middle. And I took note of that. And I remember I was in the on-deck circle and I turned to Davey and Mel right behind me and I said, I'm going to look in first pitch. And... I rem- and I, he threw me a fastball in first pitch. And I hit a home run to win the game. And then after the game, the the, uh, the press asked me, uh, well, "What did you hit?" I said, "Well, it was it was a fastball in. It was the, where I least expected it because you never want to tip your hand when I was actually looking for it in there because I wasn't on my iPad during a game looking at my fi- last at bat. I was watching a game." Telling. And that's a whole other podcast for a whole other time. But hey, I want to take you back, Keith, to to 1979. You're in St. Louis. You win a batting title. You hit 344, battling with Pete Rose all the way. You end up sharing MVP with Willie Stargell. I think it was Jack Lang who probably called you right. Baseball Writers Association calls you to tell you you're an MVP. And I remember you saying the two people you called right away were your dad and your brother. So I'm curious, who did you reach out to after this piece of news about the number retirement? Gosh, Josh, I don't remember. Uh, I have only one brother. I haven't got a sister, just the two of us. And uh, my uh, mom and dad. So I really don't know who I called after that. Uh, The most important calls, obviously, were to... Uh, my, my mom and dad and my brother, uh, I don't recall. I know I was shocked. I mean, uh, Jack Lang, I mean, when I played, I slept till noon. So, because we're night games. Sure. So we're on night schedule. And it was just after the season. So I was in a, I was still sleeping when Jack Lang called, called me like nine in the morning. And I was like, a, well, and there was no cell phones, so just regular phones. This is Jack Lang, uh, and I, I knew who Jack was, and I'm going, what the hell's Jack Lang calling me for? <laughs> and he goes, well, I've got good news for you. And uh, he said, good news and bad news. I said, I go, well, tell me, he goes, you won the MVP 
National League MVP. And I went, you've got to be kidding me. He goes, the other news is you tied with Willie Stargell. You're going to share it with Willie Stargell. And he said, you don't mind sharing it with Willie Stargell. And I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> Absolutely not. It does no way diminishes the award. As a matter of fact, it'll never happen again. It'll be a trivia question. Sure. And I know Willie was an Oklahoma guy, but he moved and was grew up in Oakland. And I grew up on the West Bay in Pacifica. So we, we kind of represented the entire Bay Area in that National League MVP, which I thought was cool. And I didn't think of until later in life. I love that. And and by the way, and look, I mean, all due respect to Willie Stargell, he played two thirds of the season. Uh, I, I thought you should have been the standalone and I loved Willie Stargell. But be that as it may, uh, the, the Cardinals Hall of Fame came calling for you last year, Keith. And I know that's yes. not the same as a number retirement, but uh, it's close. Then you're in the Mets Hall of Fame. I'm just wondering, what's that weekend like in terms of all the well-wishing? Are you, are you exhausted? Because you've now had experience with being feeded, and this one is going to take the cake, obviously. So w- take me through that weekend. What's it like? Are there handlers? Are there people coming in that you want there? I mean, w- what's it going to be like, do you think, on July 9th? Uh, you mean in St. Louis, what it was like? Well, uh, yeah, and, and how does that translate to what you think it's going to be like in New York that It'll weekend? It'll be the same thing. Now? I'll have all my entire family, immediate family, uh, my nephews and nieces, uh, my brother and his family, my parents, unfortunately, will not be there. I wish that's the one thing. And hopefully they're up there looking down and um, smiling because hmm. they're a great part of my life. You know that. And they taught me how to play. And mom was there. They did everything revolved around sports, adjusted dinners and lunches and all that. Uh, it was a team effort. Um, but. I'll have my entire family, uh, my daughters and their husbands and my two grandkids. So it'll be the immediate family and I'll have a select uh, few really, really close friends that'll be there. Um, it's pretty regimented. They uh, have you doing a lot, signing, you know, there's, there's interviews. So it's all pretty structured what you're doing most of the day. And then I'll be exhausted after the probably emotionally exhausted after I make my my grand speech acceptance speech and then it's all gets shoveled shuttled back upstairs to the suite with all your your family members and your close friends to celebrate and watch a game and celebrate incredibly having my number retired that's the amazing the amazing Keith Hernandez joining us for a few more minutes. That number, of course, is 17. And and I know you wanted something with a seven, Keith, not the actual seven, because that's Mickey Mantle and that's all right. to everybody, because I know he was one of your idols growing up. But you couldn't wear 17 in St. Louis because Dizzy Dean, right? Uh, 37, ironically, there's only one number you couldn't wear in New York, and it was 37 for Casey. So I'm trying to, I mean, Craig Swan was 27, Jesse Orozco was 47. By the process of elimination, sounds like you only could have been number 17. Right, and I I wouldn't take seven because I was unworthy to wear Mantle's number. (laughs) So it it was just the perfect, I mean, maybe it was the stars were aligning for me. What what looked like disaster being traded to Siberia (laughs) uh, with the last place Mets. And maybe that was uh, not knowing was I liked 17 better than 37. Um, 
I know that in the Cardinals, uh, Reggie Smith was seven. Uh, Mike Anderson was our fourth outfielder. He was a veteran. He was 27. And Lynn McLaughlin, one of our starters, was 47. Well, I didn't want 47. That's a pitcher's number. And really, 37 is a pitcher's number. But um, couldn't get 17 because of Dizzy. And uh, so it worked out okay. And uh, 17, I, I like that number better. It's a great number. It's you and Dizzy and Todd Helton are the only 17s that are retired in all of baseball. So. And I've always been partial to odd numbers. Well, you're an odd guy, so that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the, the, the trade happens, Keith. You, you join the Mets in Montreal, and then, crazy to me, 10 of the next 14 games are against the freaking Cardinals, who, who are coming off a World Series appearance. Like you said, the Mets are they're, they're dead last in the National League in attendance. They had the managerial change. They were 22-37 and 37 when you joined the team. I know you refer to it as Siberia kind of jokingly, but it's not that far off, I don't think, right? I mean, you went from top of the world to bottom of the pile. Yeah, we were in first place when I was traded, but we weren't playing well. We were playing really lethargic. Um, you know, Whitey traded some uh, – after the World Series, he traded uh, in the offseason. He got rid of Jim Cott and Gene Tennis, who are really, really – critical guys on that team and a veteran influence. Um, and for some reason, uh, I don't know, maybe it was for me, I can speak personally. It was the last thing I hadn't, uh, that I could attain as a player, uh, an active player. I'd won a gold glove, won an MVP, won a batting title, and then finally win the world series. And I remember saying, what else is there to do? So I had a motivation problem there and um i was a little blah and um getting traded was uh a, gave me a new a, 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 a new challenge mm -hmm. second half of my career really you know well yeah and, and let the record reflect even if you were feeling blah i looked it up you were 27 for your first 57 as a met that's 474 so yeah and then i had a really really terrible august Trust well, me. I, won't, I, had I, won't a, I had a bad. I had a bad August. <laughs> I, I hit. I hit under the. I uh, hit on the interstate in August, and <laughs> so, uh, I. I didn't play that great. I, I really didn't. That second half, it was a big adjustment year, getting uprooted and moving and all that. But um, and then also being with the stems, which is Mets backwards, as Tom Seaver <laughs> told you. I found out. So hey, if you're going to kill yourself for 83, let me at least pump you up before you go for 84 because you came as close to as any Met to winning MVP in 84. Yes. You had the same batting average as Ryan Sandberg, same OBP as Ryan Sandberg, you had twice as many walks as Ryan Sandberg, 10 more runs batted in than Ryan Sandberg, and I get it. He stole 32 bases and the Cubs won the division while the Mets did not. Right. But in that 84 season, is that where you personally were hitting your stride as a Met, as a New Yorker, as a future captain of this team? I think going to New York uh, got me away from St. Louis. I was a child of the Cardinals. So I came up through the minor leagues at 18, was in the big leagues at 20. Bob Gibson and Lou Brock still playing. Um, Rick Wise was on that pitching staff. It was a veteran team. And I was like the little runt. And I never really fit in. I felt I had a hard time fitting in with that team. 
And then as we went forward, it was the guys I played with the minor leagues, but I was always the younger guy. And I just think when I went over to New York, I was 30 and um, I was surrounded for the first time by 21, 22, 23, and 24 years olds. And um, they were all looking at me like, you know, I was uh, Achilles. And um, I realized that there was a responsibility, like what Lou did, how Lou showed me. And uh, when he was the veteran that had such an influence on me, that now the tables were turned. I can just be a player that punches the clock, show up and punch the clock. Don't just, here's my performance on the field. And that's all you get out of me. I play with a lot of guys like that. A, they don't want to, or B, it's just not in their personality. Uh, I decided uh, I was going to be like Lou Brock and and take these guys under uh, under my wing and uh, show them. And it's just something I embraced, and it was easy. It was, it didn't, it was no effort. I, I enjoyed it. You make friends, and they 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 gave me. They put extra juice in me that I needed. I was like a shot of adrenaline. It was a great new challenge for me. I had all these young kids that were just so eager and so talented and hustled, and it just rubbed off on me. Well, and it's rubbed off on New York. Your your fans are legion. They're not just in New York. They're everywhere. Congratulations, my friend. This is something that should have happened a long time ago, but I'm glad that you didn't sleep till noon and missed the Steve Cohen call this time like you did with Jack. (laughs) (laughs) This is all going to work out great July 9th. Way to go, buddy. Great to talk to you. Thank you, Josh. Couple quick other notes. Mets in general. Before we go, we'll do that after a quick pause. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Well, it will not be long now before we can officially reveal the new-look Mets coaching staff for 2022. Last piece of the puzzle for all the big jobs, reportedly Glenn Sherlock coming back to the Mets as Buck Showalter's bench coach. Glenn was most recently with the Pirates, had been with Buck before as a coach with both the Yankees and Diamondbacks. He was with the Mets under Terry Collins and Mickey Calloway. Great guy. So many puns can be sprung this spring with Sherlock, and for that we apologize in advance. But looks like he'll join Joey Cora, who is also pilfered from the Pirates. Joey and former Met Wayne Kirby will be the base coaches. Eric Chavez will be the hitting coach poached from the Yankees. Jeremy Hefner, of course, returns as pitching coach. And under Hefner's employ, possibly, the Mets have reportedly signed a couple of guys for 
minor league deals for now. Veteran lefty side armor Alex Claudio and the righty Steven Nagosik, who we've seen before. Claudio's 29, struggled with the Angels last year with a five and a half ERA, but he was really good in 2016 and 17 with the Texas Rangers. Nagosik has been with the Mets since the 2017 trade deadline when the Red Sox included him in that package to acquire one of the most underrated Mets relievers in the history of ever, Addison Reed. Looks like Nagosik will get another shot at proving his worth this year and uh, should be a factor in a minor league depth piece in the Mets bullpen. Speaking of depth pieces, Corey Oswalt will no longer be relied on as that hybrid reliever starter that the Mets can pluck from the minors when they're in need. He signed a minor league deal reportedly with the Giants. And remember, Robert Gazelman also gone now. So that swingman role officially up for grabs whenever baseball decides to return. The Mets have also stocked their minor league system with 21 international prospects, including a couple of notable young outfielders. The Mets did not end up uh, signing Juan Soto's little brother, as it turns out, but they did get outfielders Simon Juan and Willie Fanyas. They got the right-handed pitcher Ernesto Mercedes, good young shortstop Jesus Baez, all of them coming with a high-end prospect label. And finally today, got a concert announcement for City Field for you. Zach Brown Band, baby, Thursday, August 18. And then their tour bus heads west to uh, just past Binghamton and bucolic Endicott, New York, where they'll play the following night, if you feel like doing the almost famous thing. But get your chicken fried on on August 18th at City Field if you're so inclined. This music you're currently hearing... Not from Zach Brown. It's the Mets in the Morning House Band. And now you get to meet him. Ironically, all of them used to wear the number 17. Who knew? On keyboards, David Newhan. Slapping to bass, Brett Saberhagen. The horn section, that's Kevin Apier. And on drums, Alice Valentine. This is Josh Lewin. Congratulations to Keith Hernandez, despite what we learned on page 182 of his recent autobiography. Take care. Talk soon. And let's go Mets. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.